Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a blessed epiphany to each and every one of you. So just what is epiphany? Well, epiphany is a revelation of God's love for all the nations, not just the Jews. It's a revelation that Jesus is fulfilling the words spoken by Simeon in the Dukdamindist as a, a light to the nations and the glory of the people of Israel. Epiphany is the revelation that, that through Jesus, the words of Isaiah the prophet will be fulfilled. When he writes, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Epiphany is the, the revelation that Jesus is the king who comes to serve and to save his people. Epiphany is the, the fulfillment of the promise that was spoken long ago to Adam and to Eve in the garden, that he will crush the head of the serpent as his own heel will be bruised. Epiphany is the aha moment when all the prophetic promises in the past are seen to have the fulfillment in Christ Jesus. Epiphany is about the practice of God revealing how much he loves all of his creation. And so here we are today, online, years after the Magi, not the wise men and not necessarily three in number, came to visit the toddler Jesus in Bethlehem with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, celebrating this revelation of God's love for us all. You know, the fact that you are here watching on a screen demonstrates something to me and to those around you. It demonstrates that you are in the habit of gathering for worship, the habit of hearing God's word and receiving his gifts. Now, a habit is something that we do on a repeated basis. For example, my morning habit looks like this. I wake up by 6, I have my morning coffee while I read my devotion, I, I do a workout, I have breakfast, I clean up, and then I go on to the tasks of the day. We all have our habits. Well, you and I both know that we have some good habits. Well, we also have some bad habits. Generally speaking, the new year is the time when we resolve to, to break some of those bad habits and start some new good ones. Things like, well, I'm going to cut out sugar and eat more fiber. I'm going to limit my screen time at night and get to bed earlier. I'm going to stop sitting so much throughout the day and I'm going to get up and walk more. Why would you ever want to change a habit? Well, somewhere along the line, you heard that Habits like sweets and screens and sitting are bad for you, and that you should resolve to stop doing them and start a healthier habit. <laughs> but let's be honest, it's not so easy to do, is it? Let's talk about on a spiritual level rather than on a physical one. How about that habit that we have, that habit of holding on to anger rather than confessing it and seeking reconciliation? What about the habit of covetousness rather than practicing contentment? 
the habit of gossip, slander, white lies, rather than speaking the truth in love or trying to put the best construction on things. Well, first off, how do you all know or hear that these things are spiritually bad? How do you know that they are sin if you haven't heard God reveal them to be so? And second, how will you change those habits on your own, even if, these, even, if even the changes to the physical habits are so difficult to make? Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, the Scriptures reveal that there is no power inside of you that can make those changes. If change is to occur for the better, it needs to come from outside of yourself. So here's good news for you and for all people. This change comes through the external word of God. That is, from God's love for you revealed in Christ Jesus. Now our text, I would say, reveals one example of this. Here we find magi from the east. They are astrologers, most likely from Babylon or Persia, who had the habit of looking up in the sky for signs and omens from the gods. Now, some of the scholars suggest that these magi had some, some contact with the Hebrew prophetic writings as the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. You can explore the book of Daniel, and there you will find magi present giving counsel to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, whoever these particular magi were, and whatever they may have known about the scriptures, it was insufficient for them to know about Jesus where to find him. That had to come by way of divine external revelation. And so a star was utilized by the creator of the heavens and the earth to lead them to Jesus. And yet, look at their habit. They took gifts that were fit for a king and they sought out the newborn king in Jerusalem, roughly six miles from where Jesus actually was in Bethlehem. Why Jerusalem? Well, because that was the capital city for the Jews, the place of the temple and the place of the, the hall of King Herod. A king, once it would, one would suppose, is to be found in the capital city born of a royal family, correct? But look, God leads through the means of a star to the home of the Christ child in Bethlehem. And there these magi pay respect, as is their habit, to Jesus. Then warned by God, they depart, avoiding a return trip to King Herod. Now, whether or not these, these magi worship Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, that the text doesn't say. But they say they at least bow down in reverence, as the habit would have been, to royalty. But what can be said about the habit of the magi uh, it, it was now changed. See, now instead of returning to the King Herod, which they would have done, they took another way. Why? Because the Lord's revelation changed their direction. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for us? Well, first, God is in the habit and the practice of revealing himself to you by the Holy Spirit-inspired words of the Holy Scripture. Here you come to know who he is and who you are. Here you come to, to see and to hear of his love for his creation, steeped in sin and death as it is, and powerless to change our sinful habits. 
In the scriptures, it is revealed that Christ Jesus is the one who personifies and enfleshes God's love for you. Here you learn that he is your Savior, who is willing and able to forgive your sin. In the scriptures, you learn that Jesus suffered in your place, died your death, and rose in victory, of, rose in victory over the grave. In the scriptures, you learn that your baptism unites you to Christ Jesus, his death, his resurrection, so that you now live a forgiven life, a changed life, and one that looks forward in hope to your resurrection from the dead. In love, God has revealed this to you in his word. You are now his child. Well, secondly, it means that that Christ is with you and in you, shaping and forming these good spiritual habits. If you speak well of another when it may be difficult, well, that is Christ's work in you. If you struggle to forgive another, that is Christ struggling along with you, calling you to remember how he forgave you so that you would be empowered to forgive another. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. These and any good things that you see are the direct result of Christ working in you. These good things that were seen in St. Paul are the good gifts of Christ Jesus at work in Paul. And these good things that we are exhorted to, to think about are personified in the person and the work of Jesus, whom God has revealed in word and sacrament. So how do we put these things into practice as a congregation? First and foremost, I I pray that, that we are and we continue to be a people who are in the habit or the practice of hearing God's word and and receiving his gifts on a regular basis. Just as you can't proclaim what you don't know, you can't practice what you haven't learned. So if this is the first time that you've been here, the first time that you've participated online, well, we're glad that you're here. We pray that hearing and experiencing God's love for you becomes your habit becomes your practice. For hearing God's revelation of his love for you and for all in Christ Jesus is central to what we are and what we do at faith. But its impact isn't limited to the hour or so that you may spend here on a, on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. God has placed you in a household. It may be a household of one or ten or somewhere in between. But in that household, you have ample opportunity to live out Christ's love for others according to your vocation. From grandparents to children, as ones loved by Christ and given his gifts, you have an opportunity to serve others out of, out of that love and out of those gifts. 
Look to the ending of St. Paul's letters in the, to, to the Philippians, the Ephesians, and Galatians, where through them the Holy Spirit reveals what practicing God's love looks like in the house, in the church, and even beyond. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are God's people. We are about uh, proclaiming and practicing God's love with courage and conviction in our households, in our congregation, and beyond. Amen. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.